Hello, everyone. This is Melinda with Women's Motorsports Network podcast. And my guest tonight is Gerda June. Gerda has had a lot of experience in motorsports. She's done everything you can imagine for a race team and more. And so I'm excited for her to share about her life in motorsports. But Gerda, first, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you better. So like your family, your pets, anything that you feel comfortable sharing. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Gerda. I was born and raised in the north of the Netherlands in Europe. And uh, I came from this small town where there was absolutely no racing. And I didn't even hear about a race car until I was like in my teen. Um, parents were born during World War II. So that was a really tough time. They didn't have anything. They were poor and whatever I wanted. They always told me, if you want something, you got to work for it. Um, I always like to... Uh, brag that I was the black sheep of the of the family because I always did the weird stuff and at a certain point they got used to it um, we moved because the business that my the factory my parents worked for moved to another city and in that time it was normal that the employees would move with them so we moved to a bigger city and once a year there was like on a local airport that was back in the day owned by Mr. Phillips, the guy from the light bulbs. Okay. Uh, he, uh, they had a drag race every, once a year over there. They converted the airport to a drag strip. And I got asked if I could sell tickets at the gate. So that's where I started. Then they found out I was pretty good with numbers and money and so they asked me if I wanted to do the racing secretary for the Dutch Drag Racing Association. Uh, Sent out all the invitations, made all the credentials, uh, whatever needed to be done. To be honest, I never saw a car or a bike uh, <laughs> go down the track because I was always in the office. Uh-huh. Um, but you, you learn a lot of new people. And they always talked about, well, if you want to go to a real drag race, then you got to go to the racetrack in Germany. Okay. Here, they have a big uh, show over there. It's called the night show with the Nitro Olympics. And you have top fuel cars and they run in the dark and it's the best thing ever. So one of the race teams, a couple of years later, invited me to go to Germany. We went there and that's where I ran into my husband. Okay, so you met your husband at the racetrack. <laughs> yeah, we ran. And uh, it was love at first sight and, and haven't been a day apart almost since that time. That's very got, cool. Yeah, now we live here in uh, Indianapolis, moved to the United States in 2013. And um, yeah, it's the racing capital of the world. So if you're in race cars, then this is the place to be. Yeah, absolutely. You you knew where to move to in the States for racing for sure. So he was racing. He was a driver when you met him? Yes, he was running at that time Alcohol Funny Car. I think uh, that one. Okay. The black and gold uh, Alcohol Funny Car. And um, his shop was about 100 miles from where I lived. 
So uh, I would go there as much as I could. And at a certain point, I moved over there and moved in with him. And during the day, because he had an auto repair shop specialized in American cars. And uh, during the day, we would be working on cars. And at night, we, uh, we always worked on the race car. Okay. And that's how I uh, got into racing and learned what I do now. So how old were you when you met your husband? I was, oh my Lord. Uh, well, so that was actually a couple of weeks before 9-11. So that's 2001. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's very cool. I love stories where you meet at the racetrack. And it yes. was love at first sight for you yes. and for him too. Yes. Yeah. We both wore uh, sunglasses, but there was this spark going from one to another. And <laughs> that was it. I always told people, oh, I love it for sight doesn't doesn't exist. That never happens. And well, it happened to me. Yeah. And that that's that's very cool. Yeah, I love it. So you helped him at the auto repair shop and then you helped him with the race car. Yeah. Um, what did you learn how to do? Because you probably didn't know anything really about cars at that time. So what were some of the first things that you learned how to do? So uh, I did not know anything about race cars. The only thing that I knew is that uh, once a year they had that drag race and once a year in a different state, they had this big uh, motorcycle race, the GP 500, I think uh -huh. they call it with Valentino Rossi and everybody. Yeah. So I really knew I liked racing, but I also liked the, the behind the scenes part of it. Mm -hmm. What goes on? In the pits, what goes on in the pit box with the GP500? What what does it take to get to a racetrack? Which I always thought was really fascinating because a lot of people only see well the part on the racetrack where you go yeah. with an eleven thousand horsepower race car for four seconds or three seconds nowadays. Yeah. But so yeah. that always fascinated me, and he had the bright idea with his alcohol funny car back in the day to go testing in England for a weekend, but we were still in the off season. So that whole race car was still in pieces. Um, we had a voluntary crew uh, that only would show up on Saturdays because uh, they had a regular job during the week. And he was like, well, we're going to build that car together. So he was underneath, uh, underneath the, uh, uh, the engine and I was pushing rods and pistons and, and we were getting everything together. And do you need this bolt? No, it's that one. And, and it's, it's the more you do it, the more you get used to. I've been, I've been, whether it was the alcohol funny car or now the top fuel director, I've been pushing rods and pistons in that engine for 15 years. Yeah. And now I'm teaching new guys how to do it. Okay. So you're, you've gone from the trainee to the teacher. Yeah. Well, and I always told them that in the beginning, all I did was make coffee and make lunch. Cause I saw the guys were working their butts <laughs> up, never had time to eat. And, and the tracks we went to a food is way too expensive mm -hmm. and B I was not impressed with the quality of the food. So I'm like, I'm going to do it myself. So we got a grill and I made food and yeah, uh, we always did because in Europe, you don't go to a hotel at night. You stay at the racetrack. You sleep in the trailer. The race yeah. car stayed outside. Okay. So, uh, 
I always had dinner ready and we always did breakfast together. Lunch was always uh, in the staging lanes. Uh, uh, yeah. But dinner and breakfast was always something we did with the whole team. And that was always fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. And those those are when you make your best memories, really. Well, to be honest, the best part of the, the being at the racetrack is you wake up seven o'clock in the morning. You got your coffee machine running. It is still so silent outside uh -huh. and you can hear the birds and and then within an hour and a half, it's noise everywhere and, yeah. and, and all hell breaks loose. It's like, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a racing fan in general. I like yeah. NASCAR. I like IndyCar. Um, I love drag racing. Mm -hmm. It's an adrenaline thing. Oh, it is. And. And it literally gets in your blood. I mean, yeah. you, you cannot explain to people who have never been to a race. You can't really explain it to them because especially like drag racing, when you're sitting, if you're sitting on aluminum bleachers or whatever, and the car revs up, the bleachers even vibrate and yep. you feel the vibration inside. And, yep. and, you know, when NASCAR cars zip past and you're, if you're sitting down very low, which I never do, but if you do, your hat might fly off or you, you know, you're getting dirt in your face or whatever, because that's the real experience. Of being well, that's, that's always really difficult to, uh, uh, to show on television. Right. Because I think television doesn't do uh, drag racing justice. No, it is. It is incredible the amount of force that comes with two top fuel dragsters leaving the starting line yeah uh, i think they measured it once it is 2.3 on the richter scale who yeah you just you have to experience it i mean watching pro football and being at a pro football game you know it's different you you hear the a lot of the sights and sounds but it's much more similar than watching a race on tv and being at the race because when you're at the race the sights and smells and the sounds are so different than what you get from a broadcast absolutely and and what i love about nhra drag racing is every ticket is a pit pass i so know whenever you go through the gate you mm -hmm. can get autographs hero cards yep. you can talk to the drivers you can see the crew working on the cars and yeah. that's what I absolutely love about NHRA drag racing. Yeah, I do too. And that, you know, motorsports in general is um, a fan, you know, a fan experience. Um, even, even NASCAR, you know, if you have the right ability or credentials or you're willing to pay, you can get to the driver, right. you know, which you, you can't do that if you wanted to go watch Peyton Manning or, or uh, Tom Brady or whoever, it, there's no way you as a football fan can get to those people. Right. But race car drivers and, and you know, if, if it's a lower series, they're even more accessible. And, and like you said, the, the drag strip is full of fans and they're interacting with the drivers and sure. the crew. You yeah. know, you might have a mechanic who's like, I want to see what the mechanic is doing on that, you know, top fuel car. And you, you just can't explain those experiences to people. But once they have that experience, we know one thing for sure, they're going to become a fan. Well, and I always tell people there's, there's 
especially with new people going to the racetrack for the first time, I'm like, here's the deal. Give it one chance. You either like it or you don't. Because there's mm-hmm. no road in the middle. You cannot like it a little bit. No. Because it, it's, it's all or nothing. Because there's so much going on. And again, I love interacting with the fans and, and talking to people and explaining what we're doing. Right. We always have uh, have the ropes up, but with new crew members, I always keep telling them, keep in mind the difference between, well, what's the rope this thick? Yeah. Being on one side of the rope or the other side of the rope, mm-hmm. it's a big difference. Big difference for it's sure. A big difference. And we would be nowhere without the fans. Absolutely. So we have to make sure that we interact as racing as racing fanatics which is what you and i are or people who work for a team we have to remember that you know it's a big deal to a fan if they're a fan of your husband and he takes time to autograph or you take time to you know say hey thanks for coming to the race it makes their day and yeah absolutely so we have to we have to keep up those kinds of interactions with the fans and build those relationships for sure so yeah i yeah. remember one time we were racing at the uh, santa pot in england and it was the easter weekend uh we literally had snow next to the 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 guardrail because it was so cold we were on a racetrack that was 34 degrees i think actually that picture that one that one uh-huh. that one was taken there um they did not cancel the race, but it was so cold at a certain point, the race director came over to us and he went, Lex, you're running the final and uh, you got about half an hour. We're going to run it at, at four o'clock. Uh, but for all safety, since it's so cold, we're only going to run an eighth mile instead of a quarter mile. Back in the day, we still ran a quarter mile. And uh, we said, okay, well, let's warm this baby up because we were happy if we could warm it up because we finally had some heat going on our hands. Yeah. I had a pot of water sitting on a stove uh, with bottles of oil in it just to get the oil a little bit liquid so we could get it in the engine. There were 12 people still sitting in the grandstands. Oh, yeah. There were hardly anybody, but we still put up a show because they sat there in the cold and they wanted to see us. Yeah. We'll put on a show. Right. Without just you fans, know, if, if there would be nobody in the grandstands, we would not be racing. Right. It's you know, Atlanta over the weekend for the NASCAR race was in the 40s. I know on Sunday, and it was really windy, and so it was even colder than that. And yet, when you when they showed the grandstands, I thought there was a really good crowd there. Right. And and especially for the weather. So you know, if, if that's the only race you get to go to during the year and you've bought your tickets, you're going to bundle up, take a blanket and yeah. do whatever. And you're going to well, watch the race. As long as it, I always say you can dress against the cold. If it's raining and you get soaking wet, there's nothing you can do about no. it. But the, the cold you can dress up against, yeah. you can get a big winter coat and, and, can you imagine those spotters high up there? Oh, I cannot. Oh my gosh, it must have been cold up there. It had they. I I listened to a a podcast called Door Bumper Clear, and it's on Dirty Mo Media, which is Dale Earnhardt's uh, media company. And a dirt, a Door Bumper Clear is three spotters, and you know, yes, it was freezing cold up I there. Bet. So yeah. yeah, and then when it's hot as hell, 
they're up there too. So they get the both ends of the heat. Right. The heat and the cold. The heat and the yeah, cold. Yeah, but then at least I get a tan out of it. Yeah, exactly. So for sure. Yeah. So um oh, you got my favorite NASCAR driver there. Oh yeah. Kyle Bush. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Oh Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were looking in the back. Kyle oh, no. Kyle Bush has been one of my favorites, but I love Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah. And he's an amazing, uh, I love him as a sportscaster. Um, when he does it for NBC, I love yeah. when he does that. He, and he, he just does so much for motorsports even now. And he, he's absolutely one of my favorites as well. Yeah. I, I, what I really, and, and as sad as it sounds, but because of the Earnhardt, whether it's Dale senior or Dale junior, I think they make a huge difference in the safety aspect of mm -hmm. race cars. Yes. We all know what happened to Dale Sr. But yeah. after that happened, there were a lot of changes made. I think the Hans device got mandatory. Yeah. Uh, closed helmets were mandatory. And now uh, with the whole new concussion rules, I think Dale Jr. has been a part of that as well, where he has. if a driver has a concussion, they can come out and, and they are still eligible to win a championship. Yes, absolutely. I think He's, that's amazing. It is amazing. And he, he wrote a really good book about that. If you haven't read it, I highly... I got it. Yeah, I highly advise that you read both his book and Kelly's book. His sister wrote a, an amazing book, especially... As a woman involved in motorsports and and business, mm -hmm. she she also has written a, a really good book. In fact, I've read it twice, and so I I highly recommend both of those books. Well, I got Junior's book. I still have not had the time to read it. Well, you you'll you'll do that on maybe a ride, a drive to one of the races one day. So <laughs> I'll try. All right. But mostly I'm I'm driving the tow vehicle and I got a bunch of crew members sitting in the back. Okay. Uh, Lex always drives the truck and trailer himself to the racetrack. So yeah. uh, uh, we're always working and busy and yeah, yeah I gotta make some time for that. So let's talk about race day. What, you know, before we came on here, you told me a little bit about um, how you got to your position right now as crew chief. So why don't you go back a few years and kind of start wherever you want to and tell us, you know, um, you worked on the cars with your husband, but then you, you had some jobs working for other people to get to where you are now. So why don't you share that a little bit with us? So uh, mostly I was... Uh... I always like to call it one of the guys. I, I was one of the mechanics and I worked on the race car. Uh, I've been his backup girl for, I don't know, 17 years or something. Uh, the thing with a voluntary crew, what we have is uh, uh, you have a lot of people coming in and, and going again. Uh, they either, it's not what they thought it would be because it's not your typical nine to five job. Um and I always uh, uh, like to do stuff myself. So in case something happens where one of the team members gets sick or doesn't show up or whatever, we can always fill in that spot. If mm -hmm. we like to brag about it, if, if push comes to shove and we do one run a day, I only need one person to, start up the, to help me start that race car 
Otherwise, Lex and I could do it with the two of us. Okay. We can, we can service the car. We can do whatever needs to be done. Uh, at that time, I probably won't have a backup girl, but I can, I can get them back on the, on the radio. Um, so we like to be as independent as possible, but that's also because we don't have a budget. Yeah. We, we, we still have regular job. We pay it out of our paycheck and every dollar we spend is hard work for. Um, during the race weekends, I, what I do a lot is monitor the weather see what it does for the weekend. Uh, when we get there at uh, on Thursdays and we put set up the pits, one of the first things I do is put the weather station up on the trailer and get it running. I measure it every uh, hour to see what my weather station says and what nowadays, especially with the internet, you got a lot of websites where you can get forecasts and yeah. Stuff like that, and I compare the forecast with what my weather station says. So eventually, I have an average where I'm like, okay, well, density altitude on my weather station is 300 feet lower than what they predict on the weather station. And if I know on Thursday we're running Friday, I don't know, seven o'clock at night, I already can see in the forecast what they think the weather will be. So uh, uh, I try already to get a tune up, working on that. I'm talking with Lex, uh, what do you want to do on compression, blower overdrive, uh, and keeping an eye on the guys, which is mostly what Lex does because I'm in the trailer monitoring all the numbers. And uh, at a certain point, you got to make a call and say, hey, here we go, put the head gaskets on. This is what we're going to run. Those are the, the pulleys for the blower overdrive. We had one race earlier this year, which is, uh, I think it was Bristol, where on Saturday night, we already put the head gaskets on the, on the, on the engine and, and we torqued everything down to be as ready as possible for Sunday morning. Because I don't have a full-blown crew mm -hmm. that has the experience of many, many, many years where they can do it within an hour. Right. So... We have to buy time in that way, and, and we had still have uh, the ability in the staging lanes to either change ignition or we can change blower pulleys in case the weather does turn around. But at a certain point, your head gasket call is kind of for us what we want to do because we, we don't put it on, uh, on kill. Uh, we always have uh, a safe... Uh, uh, tune up in the race car for as safe as it can be and uh, uh, then see what it does. Um, I got a bunch of numbers I keep an eye on. Uh, what happens to the clutch? Uh, how much weight are we going to put on it? How much ignition are we going to put in it? When are we going to put a retard in it? How much do we want to go back up? Uh, all those numbers, that's what I do. So the notebook, as you know, you hear that a lot. Everybody has a notebook. Your notebook has to be full of such valuable information because you go to the same tracks, you know, over and over, over the years. Yeah. And, and you kind of know that, you know, in Michigan in August, it could be very humid and it could spring up a shower here and there. And so you kind of know even several days before you go, this is what you're probably going to encounter or what you've encountered in the past. And then the weather station, that's interesting because I've never had anybody tell me that they monitor a weather station. Oh, everybody does. I did not know that. All the race trailers have a weather station up on the trailer. 
Okay. That's new to me. I've never had anybody that I've interviewed ever mention what they do and how they put the use the weather station. Well, you base your uh, tune-up on uh, the weather. So are you yeah. in Denver where you're at 3,000 feet high or are you in Gainesville where we were last year where the uh, adjusted altitude was minus 700 feet? So you uh -huh. were below sea level. Right. That That is a big difference for your engine combination. Sure, sure. So you have, and even I, I showed my guys the other day, uh, even a thing as three degrees in, in temperature outside already makes a difference for us to say, hey, we're, we're, we're in the red or in the green, as we like to call it. Yeah. So it's really close to the tune-up to see where we're at. That's really interesting. I, I'm surprised I haven't heard of that before or even noticed it because... That's why I, I'm here. <laughs> that's why you're here. So, you know, but it's the details, right? right. And so... You know, I've been to a lot of haulers at, at um, well, the, the track I've gone to the most is US 131 Motorsports Park, and it's in Martin, Michigan. It's yep. only about a half hour from me, and it's a really nice track. And I've been there quite a number of times, and I've been there to watch some ladies that I've interviewed, but that's not something they ever talked about. But I wonder if it's more just that you know, they're so used to having it and using it, they don't think about that the people that are listening maybe do not know that. Right. And so, you know, we're always we're always educating and teaching people about things on here, which is what is so, so fun for me, actually, to, you know, always try to learn something new about what you do. You know, you mentioned about the behind the scenes. That's something that I'm a big fan of. Um, inviting people to come behind the scenes, see what's happening, even at your local short track, you know, call your favorite driver and say, Hey, can I come and be a volunteer in your pit? Right. I want to see what you do. And, and I think people would have much more appreciation for racing and drivers and crew members if they saw what all it takes to get that car on the track. Absolutely. And, and, um, we always say, and especially for us, uh, all our preparations in the shop are key. We have to have everything ready in the shop because if something happens on the racetrack, we don't have all the, the, the tools maybe to fix it. Mm -hmm. We know a lot of people within racing, but everybody's busy. Everybody's working on the program. So we try to be as prepared as we can be before we go to a racetrack. That's why we keep telling our clutch guy, make sure uh, all your clutch packs are, are ready. All your numbers are correct. Let me know what you got. Let me know what you need. Let me see what I can do for you. But it's simple stuff as going to Costco and getting all the groceries. Mm -hmm. That's part of behind the scenes as well. Right. Uh, getting everything ready, packing the whole trailer, make sure you got everything. And I'm, I've always had this, nerve that uh, when I leave, I'm always like, I forget something. I forgot oh, something. Yeah. I forgot something. But eventually we're, uh, we're pretty lucky and I didn't forget anything. And I've got notes like everywhere. I, I was like, just going to uh, say, I bet you have a list yeah. that if you had to, you could go over the list and it has everything on it that you need yeah. to take. Yeah. I got a bunch of uh, checklists. I got checklists everywhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. But that, 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 that works for me. Other people are all like, oh, oh we have somebody that's all of that. And yeah. if we don't have it, well, we'll just go in town and get it. Well, we don't have that luxury. So we have right. to be as prepared as we can be. And, yeah. and to be honest, I love that. As, well, as, as difficult as it sometimes is, uh, I always like to uh, quote uh, Tony Stewart in that one. If you never slept in the truck and trailer because you could not afford a hotel, you never know what a race car driver is going to be. Right. Right. And, and that's it. I think it makes you more relaxed on race weekend if you know you've been prepared and right. you have all of it with you, then you don't have to worry about going to the to the cooler or whatever and be like oh i forgot whatever yeah and so no. um being prepared ahead of time i think makes you more comfortable and more relaxed on race day and and that's important yes because you already have so much stuff you have to go through we got yeah. again we got a voluntary crew nine out of ten we have one or two guys that are there for the first time so you always have to keep an eye on them because all of a sudden they are flabbergasted because they see John Forrest or Tony Stewart, which I love is now in drag racing. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they, they just freeze up. They're uh -huh. like flabbergasted. They're starstruck. And I'm like, hello. Yeah. Hello. You're here to help me. <laughs> so where do you get your volunteers that help? Is it family, friends? <clears throat> So you know. uh, the NHRA really has a good program. Uh, if you go to their website, it's called NHRA Launch. And uh, if you want to do or become go into motorsports, a lot of the race teams have openings on that website. And uh, whether it is hospitality or in marketing or as a mechanic, they got a whole bunch of options over there on that, that launch website. And we get a lot of uh, people through there. Okay. Uh, Nine out of ten, they always think they get paid high dollar. Uh, that is in our uh, team not the case because nine out of ten, they don't have any experience. Right. So instead of, I always like to joke, instead of you paying me for your education, you're going to be a volunteer and we're going to teach you what to do. Right. And especially what not to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, there's a lot of, teams that cannot afford the paid help. And so that's a great program. And really there's nothing like hands-on to learn. You know, I, you know, I, I learn best by you showing me. Yes. Not by me reading. So no. I might, I might read about it so that I'm familiar with the terms and the parts and everything, but for you to actually show me here, this is how you do it. Right. That's how I learn the best. And a lot of people do. And I think, you know, for them to have hands-on experience is invaluable for sure. Right. Absolutely. And, and what I mostly do is I don't even show them how to do it. For instance, I don't know, putting a spark plug in a cylinder head. Mm -hmm. You got to feel how the thread goes in there. Right. You can use big machines and tools. But first, I want you to do it with your hands so you get a feel for it. I've, I've only got high school. I got no education at all. And, but it, I've always worked with my hands. So I, I tell the guy, here's a spark plug, put it in there. He's like, right. well, what socket do I use? No, don't use a socket here. Turn it in there. Cause you can feel if it is right or wrong. 
Uh-huh. And then at a certain point, they're like, oh, yeah, now I feel it because it's different. Yeah. But it's not rocket science. No. At a certain and, point, it becomes muscle memory. And you know what? People have been doing it for hundreds of years, working on cars, you know. And yep. and so, um, no, it's not rocket science. And But to be really good at it, you have to be able to have that, you know what that feels like. And so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your husband's car. What kind of car does he race? Um, you know, what, where are some of the places that you especially like to go to race? Do you have a favorite track? Everybody has a favorite track. I figured. <laughs> so he runs a top field dragster, which is an 11,000 horsepower bomb. Is- yeah, from uh, zero to 330 miles an hour in 3.7 seconds, uh, zero to 100 miles an hour in 0.8 of a second. He's actually 65, so he's not the youngest anymore. Um, it it it's an adrenaline uh, uh, sport, so it's 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 here and it's gone and it's 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 a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the rest of your question? Uh, your favorite track. Oh, yeah. Bristol. Oh, Bristol. Okay. Yeah. I love the fact that you got a racetrack in between the mountains and yeah. then in the dark. Uh, yeah, that 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 is still mind-blowing. But a lot of the stuff we go through here uh, is still uh, very surreal for us. Because when we lived in Europe, we always watched what was going on in, sure. in the United States. So uh, back then, they did not have live feeds. There was no NHRA TV. So you, yeah. on Monday morning, first thing you did is uh, read all the, the, the web pages that had all the reports on it. Uh-huh. And you would go on YouTube, see if you can find any videos of it. Uh, the best part about race day on Sunday, for me personally is still the national anthem oh that still gives me goosebumps and and sometimes i gotta punch myself because we've seen it so often on television mm-hmm. and it is still surreal for us to be in that show now not yeah. that i want to be on television or anything but just the whole the pre-race ceremony yeah. uh the the national anthem the parachute guy coming down out of the sky with the American flag on it, it still blows my mind. And we're actually yeah. here. Yeah. And, and, you know, back in the day, I'm, I'm going to ask you a little, some questions about that. So back, you know, when you lived in Europe, what is it that eventually your husband and you decided we're going to move to the United States? What, what uh, was the thing that, made you decide to do that? I think it's a couple of things. First of all, we both love the United States of America. We have this 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 love for this country that we cannot explain. I always like to tell people, well, some people are born in the wrong body. We were just born in the wrong country. Okay. Uh, we like big American cars. Uh, we like big engines. We like big. And big is, is, is good here because you can have as I call it, a big black SUV. I got a Cadillac Escalade right now. And and I love that car. Yeah. Uh, where we come from, you cannot drive one of those cars because it's just unaffordable. 
Yeah. Uh, we won in Europe basically at every racetrack there is to win. Uh, he won a European Championship in 2005. We went to the uh, FIA award ceremony in Monaco, where uh, at that time Michael Schumacher was still there because he was still in Formula One. Uh, Fernando Alonso, who's now being a great Formula One driver, he was the FIA champion that year. So they're both on the stage. Uh, Bernie Eccleston was there. Um, but we always want more. Uh-huh. And uh, um, race car drivers always want faster. They want to win more. They want, and and this is where NHRA, this is what drag racing is big. Uh, we had the opportunity in 2009 uh, to race Pomona and Vegas. We shipped everything from Europe. Um, and and we were like, this is it. Yeah. This, this, this is what we want. No question about it. Had to go through a whole process on getting a green card, mm-hmm. uh, which was not easy, which was real easy to say, ah, you know what? forget about all the paperwork let's just do what we're doing now and and we got family still over there we literally left everything behind put our whole life in a 40-foot container race car first (laughs) (laughs) priorities right (laughs) well there's that and we shipped it so here we are and uh that car that we're running now is from 1999 we always wow. have every update on it. Um, would I love to have a, a new race car for him? Sure. Can I afford it right now? No, but one day we will. And, and one day we will run the better numbers that we are doing. Um, what I was really proud of is this year, and it showed in Bristol already, we start running personal bests. Uh, Bristol, we did personal best. Uh, after Bristol, it was Indy. We ran better. He ran 390 with 318 miles an hour. Uh, we went to St. Louis where we ran 387. So the numbers are getting better and better. Wow. Yeah. So we're really proud of. And again, it's that car is from the previous century. It is yeah. the aerodynamics of a brick. But we're still doing it. Yeah. That that's such a cool story. Yeah, that that's a great story. And you know, it makes me feel sad and a little bit embarrassed actually to think that I was born and raised here and then to hear someone who moved here by choice and how much you love the United States. Obviously I do too. And honestly, when the national anthem plays and the planes fly over, I get a lump in my throat. Yeah. And it's, it's just something that you, you know, it's in your heart. It's, it's something that you're proud of and you can't even really maybe explain it. Um, My husband and I, the last two winters prior to this one, we lived in our motor home out in Arizona in the winter because my uh, our youngest two daughters lived there with their kids. And we lived in Surprise, Arizona, which is very close to Luke Air Force Base. And that's where they train pilots. And they would be, you know, they would fly over the RV resort and, and you know, you couldn't help but look up. And, and it, it just made you feel proud 
to right. see see those planes fly over. And yeah. the most I ever saw on one day was eight. Wow. And I honestly pulled off. I was on the highway, but it wasn't busy. And I pulled off enough that I could sit and watch them because it was just, just a, like, I don't know, the experience of that was breathtaking to see those eight planes flying, you know, in the formation and, and whatever. And, um, I miss that. We didn't go there this winter and I really miss those planes flying over. Yeah, and, so, and it's the same when you're in Vegas because you got an Ellis yes, Airspace yes. over there. You you get an air show uh, daily over there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so, you know, for someone like you who moved here by choice, left everything pretty much like you said and came here to follow your dreams of racing, drag racing, um, we that live here and have been born and raised here need to be a little more thankful and grateful for where we live and what we're able to do and, and all that. So I appreciate that reminder from you today. Well, and, and anybody can ask me and I, and I don't want to get in politics or anything like that, but I think, but that's only because I've been on the other side. Right. I don't think people realize how good this country actually is. Mm -hmm. But even though they've, think it might be way better in the Netherlands because the healthcare system is better than it is over here. First of all, it's not getting way better than it is here. The stuff over there is getting worse too. Yeah. Uh, you pay $8 a gallon for gas. Your sales uh -huh. tax is 21%. If you drive a Cadillac Escalade, you pay about $600 a month on road tax. It is, wow. it, it's, it's not as bad over here as people think it is. Right. And and what I always do, because I get a lot of questions about women in motorsports, and, and I learned from Lance Larson a lot. And uh -huh. one of the things uh, that he taught me when I uh, was taught the crew chief duty, what to do with firing up the race car, setting all the aisle, and... And I was a nervous wreck, but he helped me. And I knew with him behind me that, that I could do it, but it had nothing to do with my gender. No. And, uh, he always told me, Gerda, remember this. I do not care about your plumbing. <laughs> you I love that. The, you can do the job or you cannot. And I, yeah. I always tell my guys in the race team as well, listen, there's nothing I'll ask you to do that I would not do myself. Right. Because if you don't want to do it, I'll do it. Yeah. But I got a reason why I ask you to do certain things. And, and there is absolutely no order because I think my team is a whole team. There is there's no, oh, I'm higher than you are like, one no pecking guys, order. My 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 guy. One of my guys left uh, by the end of last year because of family, and I need somebody else to fire up the race car. And uh, I was talking to one of our crew members, and another guy goes, "So you got a promotion?" I'm like, "Listen, it's not a promotion. No, I have a spot that is open, and I think that he is the best person to fill in that spot. It has nothing to do that." He is better than you are, so he gets the job. It's, I'm like, 
that's not how we work over here. Everybody's equal in my race team. Yeah. And I that's I, great. I, I I was not raised looking at color. Uh, yeah. The color of your skin. Uh, I still have this one picture of 9-11 uh, in my phone where people are walking the streets and they're totally full of covered with dust. Mm -hmm. You cannot see their color. No. You cannot see their race. You cannot see their religion. You cannot see anything. But yeah. we all helped each other out. Right. And I think that is more important than anything right now. Yeah. And that's absolutely. how I run my race team. Yeah, absolutely for sure. So right now, as I understand it, and for the last couple of years, you are the crew chief for your yes. husband. So what is the crew chief? And we, we know that you're the team manager. And so we've already had the discussion that that means that no matter what needs done, you're there to do it if, it, yeah. if they need you to. But let's just talk about being the crew chief. What are your responsibilities on, on race day, let's say, as the crew chief? So, and I think every crew chief will tell you this. My number one responsibility is to keep my driver safe. Okay. Whether it is my husband, whether it is Santa Claus in that race car, whether it is Tony Stewart in that race car or Dale Earnhardt, I got to keep my driver safe. Okay. So, uh, I'm on my crew. I always like to tell people uh, during the race weekends, my, my evil twin sister shows up because <laughs> I'm not, oh. I'm not the most fun person because there's a, so much pressure on my shoulders. Cause not only is it my driver, he's also my husband. Right. And uh, uh, I want to make sure that everything is ready and done perfectly as, as good by as they can do it. Mm -hmm. uh, that they did what we taught them to do. I uh, will triple check everything. If the spark plug wires are in right. Uh, and what kind of tune up are we going to put in the race car? Yeah. Uh, that is one of the big things that I'm working on. I'm, I'm crunching the numbers in the trailer all day to see uh, what we want to put in there. Uh, Lex is working with the guy putting stuff uh, together and, and uh, on the, um, when we're in the staging lanes, I, I put on or help him with his fire suit, his gloves, his helmets, his Hans device. I uh, get him in the car. I do his seat belts. Uh, we both do his parachutes. Uh, whatever needs to be done, that gets done. And when we're actually at the starting line, uh, I fire up the race car. I set the idle. Uh, after the burnout, we back him up. I'm behind the car. I know exactly where I want him to be. And at a certain point, I tell them, okay, honey, it's up to you. Yeah. That's that's just, you know, and when you watch it on TV and you see, you know, whoever, women or men backing the driver up, you know, yep. this way, that way or whatever, um, you know, you you just know that, that that's a very important job to get them lined up straight and where they should be and ready to go. But um then it then it all comes down to that driver and he's got to be ready and he has to have confidence in not only his crew chief and his crew but he has to know that they've done everything they can to make him successful and he has to trust trust is yeah. a big thing that is a huge thing i'm glad you said that because he 
he needs to trust his crew blindfolded. Right. And we always tell our guys, listen, even if we're in the staging lanes and you torque the cylinder heads, but you're not 100% sure if you got all the bolts, you let me know. Right. Because we had at one time where one of the bolts on the exhaust came loose and it got under the rear tire. It punctured the tire. Luckily, it didn't blow the tire. But that could have been a whole different story. Sure. And yeah. that is that is always my biggest fear that something will happen and and yeah. then that's it. Well, I think that's true of anybody involved, especially if it's your your husband, your team, your you know, your driver. The last thing you want is for somebody to get hurt because it's absolutely it's, it's just not worth it. No. I mean, it, it's just not. But Knowing that the people around you care just as much as you do, Gerda, and as Lex, your husband does, the people that if they care as much about everything as you do, then they're going to take responsibility and do the very best that they can. And then that comes down to the trust. Right. I trust, you know, um, I know they don't have spotters in um, drag racing, but you know, that's the same thing. The conversation on Door Bumper Clear was about trust and how, you know, there's some drivers that if their spotter says go high, they don't think twice. They do no. it. Right. They don't even look to see because in that split second, things could change. And, and that comes down to trust. And so, um, you know, that's a big part of motorsports because your life is in their hands. Well, and that was one of the reasons why at a certain point uh, we made a decision to let me do what I do now. Because um, when Lance Larson started with our race team, uh, he wanted to keep the overall side. And him and Lex were talking like, hey, who's going to fire up your race car? And Lex went, well, let's see. Uh, I've got uh, uh, Mikey. I've got uh, somebody else. I got him and I got him. And. Uh, okay, so Lance Larson asked him, who do you trust? Well, and the other thing is who will be with you every race? Because with a voluntary crew, not everybody always can take the days off. Right. And Lex went, well, well, maybe maybe we could ask him. And Lance asked him flat out, what about Gerda? Lex went, no, she's never going to do it. And while they were having that conversation, I remember it was here in Indy, uh, I walked by and I saw this smirk on their face. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> and Lex literally tells Lance Larson, okay, you tell her. <laughs> and uh, Lance Larson, who is, I don't know if you ever seen uh, the man, he is a big guy and he uh -huh. just stands there and he's like, we yeah. want you to fire up the race car. And I looked at him and I'm like, that's a bad idea. <laughs> And like, so, well, here's my problem. He's like, I want to have the overall side. Uh, we need somebody we can trust. We need somebody that's going to be there every race. We need somebody that he trusts. He's like, and you're it. You're it. You fill the bill. I'm like, well, yeah. But now I'm glad I'm doing what I'm doing because we're making ourselves independent again from anybody sure. else. Um, so when you when you have to fire up the race car. Why did why did he your husband at first not want you to do it? Because I didn't want to do it. Okay, and why is that? 
because it's a bomb. It can blow up in my oh, face. Yeah. Because of the risk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I told them, and that's, I still have that. I'm, I'm getting used to it now, but I always told them, first of all, uh, I try to look like a $3 million team, even though I'm a $300 team. Uh -huh. uh, so I don't want to look like an idiot. Yeah. Uh, with me being his wife, with me being his, uh, a female, people are really easy to judge. Oh, yes. So if something goes wrong, it's only because, oh, well, she... It's a woman. Uh, uh, all of those. Yeah. Uh, and I did not want to do that to Lex. Right. Because I think he deserves better. He, To be honest, I think he never got the credit that he deserves. When he became a European champion in, in, in the Netherlands in 05, we had to go to City Hall to get a medal. And the ambassador of sport had a medal in his head. And he went, well, Mr. June, you probably earned this. But what I think what you're doing is polluting the environment. Oh. And that's how he got the medal. Well, that kind of stinks, doesn't it? Yeah. I was this close to tell the ambassador to put a medal where the sun don't shine. Yeah, no kidding. But you wanted your husband to have that medal. Right. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm always there and, and I know he trusts me. Uh, uh, if I, I'm pretty lucky I've got some good friends uh, uh, that I can ask any questions. Uh, we're really good friends with Hall of Famer Lee Beard. Okay. Uh, we're really good friends with uh, Rob Flynn. I always like to call on my help desk. So <laughs> if I have any questions, I can text them. Uh, doesn't matter whether we're at the racetrack or at home. Uh, I always get an answer from them. Yeah. And that's good to know you have somebody that's got your back if you need it. Oh, absolutely. Rob Flynn was the first one in uh, St. Louis when we ran the 387 that showed up in our lawns to uh, congratulate us. And I know 387 is not what they're running because they're running 360s. But that was a personal best for us. So we were over the moon. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I can't I was, even imagine. I, I like to tell people, I think if you would turn it around, and go to other drivers and say, hey, try what they are doing. Yeah. Try moving to the other side of the world just for racing with mm -hmm. no budget. You do you work your butt off to get to the racetrack and and your budget is, I don't know, five thousand dollars. There's no way you can put a top fuel car on the starting line for that kind of money. No. Not but we even. put a lot of labor of love in it. Sure. I'm not getting paid. Yeah. He's not getting paid. No. But we still love what we're doing. My guys are not getting paid. Right. But that's okay because we enjoy what we're doing. Yeah. This is an opportunity because there are opportunities here in the United States that we're living the dream. Mm -hmm. Nobody yeah. can take that away from me. No, absolutely not. So a couple more questions and I'll then I'll let you go because I know it's evening time when we're recording this and oh, so that's okay I got okay time. all right it's not bedtime yet <laughs> okay good so um are there are there any other women crew chiefs that you know start the car that you race against or are you it um i think lex checked it last year uh with the nhra but i am the only female crew chief out there in nhra professional uh drag okay. Yeah, I kind of thought that, but I thought maybe I had missed 
miss somebody, but. But on the other hand, I don't think uh, it is as special uh, in NHRA that females are really good at what they're doing. Look at Erica Anders, who's oh, right. a five-time pro star. We got uh, Leah, who's running a top Sure. Women are, are normal. In it's NHRA normal, yeah. We had Chacha years ago. Right. It's normal to see a lot of women at the track in right. different roles because right. we are used to seeing those women. But, you know, even in NASCAR, there's not a woman crew chief. You know, that's a different position and you don't see that very often. And so I, I did my research, but I just wanted to be sure I hadn't missed somebody because I thought that you that you were the only one. Yeah, I know uh, years ago you had uh, Tim and Kim Richard who were on the Bernstein Budweiser car. Uh-huh. I like that fact, uh, especially since uh, we are a husband and wife uh, race team as well. Right. Uh, but I think right now I'm the only one out there. Yeah. But again, yeah. I don't care about my plumbing. No, I, I, I get that. Um, I just appreciate that you were willing to do something out of your comfort zone. Oh, absolutely. Um, because you love racing and that's that's what you want to do. You know, um, there's a lot of people that have big sponsors that take for granted all those team members and things that they have. And so I think your story is a good reminder that every team doesn't come to the track with a wallet full of money. But that doesn't mean that the passion they have is any less. It doesn't mean their success necessarily is any less. It it just means maybe they work a little harder themselves um, behind the scenes because you don't have a whole team full of people at the shop every night working on the car. No, we, we absolutely don't. Uh, last year, I think most of the guys, they try to be there on Tuesday night, sometimes on Thursday night. Depends on if we're racing over the weekend. But otherwise, it's only on Saturday and everything else that needs to be done. Lex mm -hmm. and I will go to the shop every night if we have to. Sure. And yeah. whatever, whatever needs to be done, we get it done. Because we live by this brand, never quit. Yeah. And we never quit. And right. it is sometimes so annoying <laughs> yeah because we never quit it would have been way easier to say at a certain point you know what put a for sale sign on it and then yeah we're never gonna make it but like again like what we did in st louis ran the 387 we were over the moon and, and oh i'm sure it was still on seven cylinders wow so we were like there's so much more potential so we want yeah more. Yeah. So, um, can no. you imagine what we could do if we have a sponsor? Yes. I, so I was just going to go there. So, um, you don't have any marketing partners, sponsors. Well, we do have, uh, like Gates, they support us with the belts. Uh, okay. Carrillo, they support us with pistons. Uh, okay. we've got, which I think is really cool, but that's not a sponsorship. That's more of a relationship. We have a veteran organization called Safe 22 because uh -huh. there are at least 22 veterans per day that commit suicide here in the United States. Yeah. And uh, coming from the Netherlands, we're not really used to war as we 
have to say it. Uh, the United States somehow always is involved in some kind of war. Oh, yeah. Because um, we always try to help everybody. And that's it. I, <laughs> I, I always tell people, listen, it is the best country. It is the strongest country in the world. And if somebody is in trouble, the first phone call they're always going to make is to the president of the United States. Right. Say, hey, can you help me out? Yeah, for sure. So yeah. uh, we like to uh, get awareness for veterans during our race weekends. We have uh, veterans in our pit and nice. uh, to give them uh, uh, hopefully a great time and, and take their minds off stuff yeah. for just one weekend and see if we can help them that way. See, I, I love that. And I did not know that about, about you guys. Um, there's another, or, and yours is called what now? Save 22. Save, S-A-V-E? Yes, ma'am. Save 22. Oh, I see, 22 a day. So there's also another organization out there called Stop Soldier Suicide, which I met some, some guys at a racetrack a few years back that were involved with that. Um, suicide is, um, an, I don't even know what the word, suicide is close to me. My husband, my son committed suicide in 2018. He was the one that got us all into motorsports. Okay. And, uh, and so I know the pain that that comes with for your family. Mm -hmm. And especially I think with veterans, you know, they've done so much for their country. They've left their families in many cases. Um, and then they come back and we can't even begin to imagine what they've seen and been through. Absolutely. And then, and then, um, sometimes they're forgotten. So, I want to say I appreciate very much what you do in that regard. Um, my son was not a veteran, but um, suicide is a very hard thing for a family to go through. And so I, I appreciate that you do that. Um, well, we always said, and I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your son. And uh, uh, if we can only save one. Right. Because that's the problem. Uh the person commits suicide, but the family that is left behind, mm -hmm. I cannot imagine what they are going through. Right. So if, if a weekend at the NHRA drag racing helps one of those veterans and say, yes. Hey, this is worth living for. Right. That they change their minds on things that they're dealing with. Yeah. I'm already happy. Oh yeah, for sure. That's, that's awesome. So I, I'm going to keep track of that organization a little closer now that I, I know about it. So I, pre I appreciate you sharing about that. Um, one other question that I did want to ask you about was about being a mentor for other women in drag racing. Mm -hmm. So uh, there have to be other women that are mechanics and do a lot of different things in NHRA and other drag racing um, series do you ever have the opportunity to mentor other women or younger women? Um, do you ever get a question like, how did you get started in doing this? And, and um, can you speak to that for a little bit here? Well, lately what I see more is uh, I see dads with his little girl come to our pit 
and they are standing at the ropes asking for my autograph. And then dad says, she wants to be in motorsports when she grows up too. And I always tell people, uh, don't let your gender, don't let anybody tell you that you cannot do what you want to do. Right. Because uh, if you want to be in motorsports, you should go for it. Yes. A lot of people told me you can never do what you're doing now. And I'm doing it anyway. But yeah. I have this issue. I like to prove people wrong. <laughs> yes. So if you really, if you really want to do something, and I don't care if, if you want to work with horses, if you want to be in a race team, if you want to be in motorsports, do the investigation, but do not be afraid to get dirty hands. Because mm -hmm. you yes. gotta do you gotta do the time. And as what I see, and I see it in my regular job as well, as a female, I have to work twice as hard. Yeah. I, I, during the day I work at O'Reilly Auto Parts and okay. I sell a lot of car parts and I'm in a man's world. Yes, you are. And as a female, I got to work twice as hard and I got to work twice as hard for the customers to get my trust. And I got to work yeah. twice as hard to get stuff done, but that's okay. That is something that was my decision. Yeah. And if somebody tells me I cannot do it, I'll prove everybody wrong. So when you're, I just have, this is kind of an odd question, but if, uh, if a man walks into O'Reilly's and there's you at the counter and a man at the counter, do they tend to go ask the man? Oh, more? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Or, or if, uh, uh if somebody uh, buys a wiper blades and you offer to the customer, would you like me to put those on? And he looks around the store and says, is there a mechanic around here? <laughs> And you say, let me show you. <laughs> then I'll tell them, no, uh, it's all me. It's what you get. Yeah. I, I kind of said, well, that. I'll do it myself. And nine out of 10, I just think, well, it's uh, out of politeness where he does not want to have a female put on his wiper blades. Yes. But yes, I for think, sure. Uh, I think I replaced in my lifetime more wiper blades or batteries than anybody. Yeah. But that's okay. That's okay. At a certain point, I always, I always keep telling myself, hey, it's your loss. Yeah, you have to let it go, right? Just let yep. it go. Yep. Yeah, don't. It's not personal. No, it's not it's, at all. I see it the same as a, a gentleman opens a door for a female. Yes. That is politeness as well. Well, in this case, okay. Well, you don't want me to do it. That's fine too. Right. Right. Okay. My last question is is about social media. Do you use social media to promote yourself and your race team? And if so, how can we follow you on social media? So my Facebook page is uh, Gerda June. Um, it's mostly race team what you see on there because I like to keep my private life a little private. Okay. Uh, but it's mostly uh, racing stuff that is going on. Uh, we have a Twitter account with Lex June Racing. Uh, we have another Facebook NHRA Top Fuel uh, Lex June NHRA Top Fuel Racing. I always tell people, if you Google likes June, you will find everything. Okay. Because I think it's more about him than it is about me. Yeah. Yeah. He's the superstar. He's the superstar. And and so um, is NHRA the schedule that you would follow? Um, or do you have a other schedule that you post on there? Or how would we know where you're going to be racing? So we uh, are now preparing for the four wide in Charlotte. 
because uh, I like going to Charlotte because it's NASCAR country. Yeah. Uh, we went there a couple of years ago. And uh, one of the first thing we did on Friday night is we went to Kannapolis. Uh-huh. And we visited the Dale Earnhardt Sr. statue that is over there. Yeah, that's very cool, isn't it? That is so impressive. Yeah, it um, is. We were in Bristol one time where we met Michael Waltrip. So uh -huh. I, I just love racing. I like NASCAR as well, even though it's circle, circle racing. But there's so much more going on. Yeah. Um, we're preparing now for the four wide in Charlotte. Uh, the rest we want to do is um, Bristol, because I love Bristol. Chicago, which is back on the calendar for this year, which yeah. was not last year. Uh, Indy, because it's the U.S. Nationals. It's the big O. It's one yeah. of those where you got to be there. And then St. Louis again. That's, okay. that's what we are planning to do for now. But okay. if for some reason I blow up everything that is in Charlotte, I might have a problem. <laughs> that's not going to happen. I know that's not going to happen. Right. So. But if for some reason we went in Charlotte, it might be we put a couple of extra races in there. There you go. There you go. Well, Gerda, I have really enjoyed this conversation with you. I I will tell you that um, your husband reached out to me to tell me about you. Oh, he did? And so oh um, he didn't Why want am me I to, not surprised? He did not want me to tell you that prior to, you know, talking in that. My but God. he's very, he's very proud of you. And he's very proud of what you do Aww. in motorsports. And so he may not tell you that, but I'm going to tell you that. So um, <laughs> I appreciate well, he has that. A problem he, now, because next time I got to fire up that race car, I just might walk away. <laughs> No, you're not going to, because it means too much to you. And I, I appreciate when, especially when a man, husband or not, reaches out to me and says, hey, you need to talk to so-and-so. They're really doing big things in motorsports and they need some, you know, they need to be interviewed. They need people to know what they're doing. And, and that's what I love to do. I love to tell the stories of women in motorsports. And so, um, I really appreciate the time tonight that you took to talk with yeah, me. Yeah, we were saying 30 minutes, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's an hour and 10. It's fine. Uh, people will listen. You know, it's a good conversation and they're going to want to hear um, your story. And so I'm I'm glad that we took our time and, and got everything covered that we wanted to cover. And um, I actually have the Chicago race on my calendar. I'm only a couple hours from there, if that, maybe an hour and a half or so from that track. Okay. And, and so um, if I end up, if that stays in black on my calendar, um, I'll be in touch because I would love to come and hang out with you that day. That would be a lot of fun. So. Oh, absolutely. I would love to have you as our guest. Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll keep that on the, on the calendar and in the back of our minds. And, and I'll for sure let you know that for you know, that I'm coming, but, um, I just want to wish you all the luck this, this summer with your racing and keep, keep doing what you're doing, you know, get out of your comfort zone, which you're pretty good at. And, <laughs> and, uh, you never know what the next position is. They're going to come up for you to do, but, um, I'm really proud of you, Gerda, for what you've done, um, coming to the United States and doing all of that because of your love for racing is, 
is a pretty big deal. And so I want you to pass that on to your husband as well. And and um, I'll be following along. So don't be surprised that you see me like you're making me blush. Oh, <laughs> no, this is very sincere. Um, I for appreciate sure. that. So um, thanks again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And um, take care and please stay in touch. We will. Thank you for having me. I really had a, a great time talking to you and talk racing and I can see you got it in your blood as well. So I think we can talk for hours. Oh, I think we could too. So uh, we definitely need, need to meet up face to face. So we have time to do that. Yeah, we'll do that in Chicago. Thanks for All having right. me. Thank you. Bye, everybody.